Rejection. I've been talking about being rejected. I've been going over um, the last two times, the last two weeks, not counting last week, has been mainly examples of how you can be rejected, whether it's by a father or by a mother, um, by, by uh, parents, by siblings, by school kids, by divorce, by um, spouses, uh, you name it. Um, if, if, if the Lord touches you and you haven't heard that, go to the website. It's free. Go download it and listen to it. But I felt like two weeks ago we had, I felt like we had breakthrough two weeks ago. But we're not done yet. We've got two more sessions to do. Um, so uh, hang in there with me. Today we're going to talk about the ultimate rejection. And that everything that God provides in the gospel, everything that God provides in the gospel is based on fact. And it can be summed up by three F's, fact, faith, and feelings. And I believe the gospel is based on these three facts. These three facts here, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again on the third day, right? Sometimes we can just go numb to that. Just like the Lord's Prayer, we can say it over and over and over and completely miss what Jesus is trying to teach us. If you stay with me on the next couple Sundays, we're going to get into the Lord's Prayer right here in the Sermon on the Mount. One of the most famous, most quoted scriptures in, in, uh, in the Bible, but we miss it completely. Don't forget that Christ died for your sins, when we sin, someone has paid that price for that. He was buried and he rose again. Everybody say hallelujah. And these are, ba these are the heart of the whole gospel. They are the facts. And faith appropriates the facts. Faith begins with the facts and it believes and it acts on them. Faith is an action. We take the fact, we take the truth, and then we move in it, and that is our faith. Then after faith comes feelings. And it makes all the difference in your life whether your faith is based on fact or on feeling. Is your faith based on how you feel or is it based on fact? Can you guys see where I'm going at all? Because when it comes to rejection, we have allowed a lie to stick to us and we have missed the fact that we are not rejected, we are accepted. So what we've got to learn to do is to not allow our faith to be dictated by our feelings. Feelings are important. God has given us feelings, but they are not to drive the cart. The cart is driven by the fact not by the feeling. My goodness, if I drove my cart by my feelings, I would wind up in the ditch all the time. The only reason I would not be in the ditch is just by pure luck. I'm going from this ditch to that one. Man, this feels good for a moment, but there I go off again. I cannot walk my walk with Christ successfully if I am driven by my feelings. If my faith is based on feelings, I will be inconsistent and I will be an unstable person. How many of you know, know people that live by their feelings? <laughs> and, they're, and they're unstable, aren't they? I become unstable when I start getting driven by my feelings. Your feelings will change when your circumstances change. The facts won't change. 
If we are able to make progress as Christians, we've got to have, we have to learn to believe the facts even when our feelings can cause us to doubt them. To receive God's provision for rejection, there are two facts that you've got to lay hold of. Two facts we've got to get. God has not made a lot of different provisions for all the various needs of humanity. But one thing he has done, he's made one all-inclusive provision that covers all the needs of his people. And that is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's fact number one. The sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross. But the second fact is what took place on the cross. And it was an exchange that God himself had planned. All the evil consequences of our sins came upon Jesus that in return all the benefits of Jesus' sinless obedience might be made available to us. We did nothing to deserve it. We had no right to claim it. It just came from the immeasurable love of God. Those two facts. Jesus died on the cross and he took what we deserved. It is fact. I can't explain it. It's beyond my understanding. But how many of you feel it in your heart? It is as true as if I drop this piece of paper, it will hit the ground. How do I know it? Because I can walk free of sin and I can see somebody that's not saved never get free of their sin. What's the difference? Jesus. I know it in my heart. How do we know it in our heart? It says that the Holy Spirit speaks it to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's such an amazing thing to have someone walk up this altar, including myself, come in here and come clean before God. And the light bulb go off to know that I have just been made right with God. Not, my, not me being right, but the righteousness of Christ is on me. That's what I get when I come down here. That's what these boys and girls got when they came down here. They came down here nasty, dirty. When an adult comes down here with sin, they come down here carrying the weight of the world on them. When they go back, they go back with the righteousness of Christ if they truly give their heart. You can play a game and you can go back with all your mess. Or you can, you can let God have it and leave clean with robed, robed in righteousness. I love it when my mom's in here. She just, I, I could just, I could, I could preach. <laughs> Do you get that picture of being robed? The prodigal son coming home? And the son's trying to say, Dad, I'll just be your servant. The dad won't even let him finish his sentence. No, 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 no. You be quiet, son. It, we're going to have a party. Somebody go kill the cow. I've got a ring for you, and I've got a robe for you to put on. And what did he clothe him with? It's the picture of being clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Son, I know you've just blown it. You've done everything wrong, but we're going to make it right. You've come back home. You've come back home with the right attitude, with the right heart, and I restore you 
to what you didn't deserve. I restore you to right standing with the Father. Isn't that good? Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. Verse 14, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Do you see the picture? What he deserved, he took. What, he, what, he, what we deserved, he took. What he deserved, he gave. He did that for us so that we could have what we never could have achieved. We could have never gotten there. Hebrews 2.9, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with the glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Everyone. The saved and the sinner. Everyone. The scripture tells me he paid the price for everyone. Christ took our sin so that we might could have his righteousness. He took our curse so that we could have his blessing. He took our poverty so that we could have his wealth. He took our death so that we could have his life. But this exchange also had implications for us concerning shame and rejection. Hebrews 12 verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Jesus was well aware of the shame and the public humiliation that he would experience on the cross. One of the primary reasons for crucifixion was shame. It was to hang you out there for everyone to see. Hang you out there naked. Helpless. For people to do to you whatever they desired to do. They would say derogatory things. Isaiah had a vision of Jesus suffering centuries before it took place. Isaiah 50 verse 6 he says, I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. This is Jesus taking what we deserved. This is Jesus taking our shame and our rejection on him. And do you know where he took it? He took it to the grave. He took it to the cross. He took everything that we do not want to have and he paid the price for it. He willingly endured mocking for us on the cross. And what does God offer in return? Isaiah chapter 61 verse 7. 
Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. And instead of, my, of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. You can replace this word disgrace with the word embarrassment. Instead of shame and embarrassment, God offers honor and joy. And Hebrews 2.10 goes on to tell us that the purpose of the death of Jesus was to bring many sons of glory. Joy and honor and glory are all offered in the place of shame and humiliation. And this leads, as Jesus went to the cross, the deepest wound of all, which was rejection. Jesus endured a double rejection. He was rejected by men, and he was rejected by God himself. Isaiah 53 verse 3 says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one whom, from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteem him not. This shows him being rejected by men. But it gets worse. The last moments of Jesus on the cross, I'm going to show you here about Jesus being rejected by God himself. Matthew 27. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. About three, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, saying, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and he offered it to Jesus to drink. Verse 49, the rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Now, the, for the first time in the entire history of the universe, in the entire history of just not the universe, the kingdom, in all of history, the Son of God prayed, but the Father didn't answer. The one, the one time Jesus is hanging there and prays and calls out and the Father doesn't answer. Why doesn't he answer? Because Jesus at that time was identified with our sin. I believe it's the greatest price that he could pay. I'm not trying to discount the pain and the suffering that he went through. But the pain and the suffering of being separated from the Father. Can you see what he took to the cross for us? He took it all. You know what I can't imagine? I can't imagine any of it. But I especially can't imagine the Father not responding. And what the Father was feeling in heaven. Can you see as we come in here with wounded spirits, with wounded hearts, someone has gone before you to pay for that. And Jesus for a, would never for a moment tell you that your rejection isn't real. He would say, I know it's real. I have felt it myself. And I believe he would tell us it would be the, one of the most painful things he has ever felt. 
Now, I'm not trying to speak for God. Don't, don't, hold, me. don't hold me there. But I, just as a father, wouldn't you guess that the father would say that moment that I couldn't respond to my son? Do you know who the father did that for? He did that for us. It wasn't just Jesus enduring on the cross. The Father was enduring on the cross. Can you see that all of heaven was engaged for you? I believe at that moment all of heaven was focused on us. Tell me, it's a mind-blowing thought. We do not need to allow our rejection, our sin, our struggles to have control over our life. There is no reason for that to happen because the price has been paid for you. You're standing outside the gates and you can't get into the game. But your daddy's saying, I've got your ticket. Take the ticket. And let them tear it off and get into the game. Get out of this mess that you're in. And step into my glory, the Lord would say. Step step under the cover of my wings. You've got to let it go. At that moment... I believe when Jesus didn't get responded to by the Father and he immediately died, do you know that the other, the other two stayed alive? The other two on the cross stayed alive? Why did Jesus die so quickly? I believe he died of a broken heart. Have you ever seen where, 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 where someone dies not, not far off of the, their spouse dying? No health reasons whatsoever. They just go. I believe a lot of times it's just the death of a broken heart. I believe he had nothing left to live for. I believe he died of a broken heart. And what broke his heart? Rejection. Matthew 27, 51. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn. You know what I think? I think God just said, that's it. That's enough. He paid the price for these people to have access to me. Give it to them right now. No more waiting. The waiting is over. This has been enough. He's paid the price. Done. Now, anyone who was willing to walk in can. Are you willing to walk in? Pastor, I gave my heart to Jesus. I've committed my life to him. Yes, but we still stand outside carrying our sin, carrying our nastiness, carrying our unforgiveness, carrying our bitterness, carrying our rejection. Woe is me. No. The Lord says, no. At that moment, the earth shook, the veil was torn, and the access to the Father was made for me. Leave that stuff out and come in to me. Before then, only the priest could come in. 
There had to be that one time a year, the Day of Atonement, when blood was shed, the bulls and goats were shed. We had to wait a year to have our sin dealt with. I can't imagine. And God said, nope, no more. You can come in and you can come in anytime you want. All because of Jesus. The barrier between God and man had been removed. The way was open for man to come to God without shame, without guilt, without fear. That's what happened Sunday morning, is they felt like they couldn't come in because of guilt and shame and fear. And somebody, this church, the Spirit of God came or they would have never stepped out of their seat. It was already done. Now, we had to war down here. It took three of us. We had to war. But we all decided we're not, we're not going home until this is settled. This family's life lays in the balance, and they are listening to a lie. No. And let me tell you why. And started speaking the word of God. And you know what? They just crumbled. I was so proud of these youngsters. What they couldn't see was that the father knew he, they were coming home. The father had been watching the whole time. The prodigal son's father had been watching, I believe, every day. How could he show up miles off and the father see him? Just by some coincidence, he happened to be standing out there whittling a stick? I don't think so. I think the father was looking for him every day. Christ bore our rejection on the cross with all its agony, agony and heartache. He even died of a broken heart. Two facts. That one's one. Number two, and we are accepted because of his rejection. We are accepted in Jesus, the beloved. That was the exchange. Jesus bore the evil that we might receive the good. And you know, God's family is the best family. There's no family quite equal to the family of God. Even if your own family didn't care for you, maybe your own father rejected you, maybe your mother didn't have time for you, or your husband or wife never showed you love, I want you to keep in mind that God died for you. He paid everything for you. You are accepted and you are highly favored. You know what that means to be favored? It means you are his favorite. You're put ahead of the next one. But you're not ahead of me. And I'm not ahead of you. God's got some way of having this line that no, we, nobody can get ahead. I'm his favorite. And you know it takes faith to say that, but I believe it with all my heart. You're his favorite. We do receive that. Out of our mouth, I receive that. God wants you. You are accepted. You are the object of his special care and affection. Everything he does in the universe revolves around you. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. All this for your benefit. 
And you know, this doesn't make us conceited, it humbles us. There's no room for conceit when you see the grace of God. And you know, it's significant, the last words that Jesus said to his disciples before his crucifixion, the last words that he said before his crucifixion, knowing what was coming, was concerned with our relationship with God as our Father. John 17, verse 25, says, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know you, that you have sent me. I have made you known to them. Jesus made God known to us as Father. Up till now, up until this point, they only knew him as Jehovah. But the only person that could introduce God as Father is the Son. Why didn't he ever show himself as the Father before? Because the Son wasn't there to proclaim him as Father. The Son had to come to show us that He is Father. And you're going to see as I go into the Sermon on the Mount and on uh, uh, the Lord's Prayer, we're going to focus on God the Father, how impacting God being our Father is. And then he says, continues on in this Scripture, and I will come, I will continue to make you known. Jesus was saying that He would continue to reveal God as Father to us. Then we would come to the purpose of this revelation as this verse continues, verse 26, that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. That the love you have for me may be in them. Why? How could it be in us? Because Jesus is in us. That's how God can love us as just the same as Jesus, saying that we are accepted in the beloved, that we are accepted just like Christ, just like a son of God. Why? Because Christ is in in us. That's how God can love us just like him, because he's in us. That you that the love you have for me, that the love that the Father has for the Son may be in us, and that he, Jesus himself, would be in us. He told us when he sent the Holy Spirit, he was sending one exactly like himself, so that the Holy Spirit would come into us, so that we would receive that the, the, the love the Father has for the Son. Are, are we... Have have I lost you? How many of you know it's good to put the pieces together? You just hear God loves you. Well, that's great. God is love. God loves me. Okay, I got it. We've sing it all the time. God loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Um. Why? Because Jesus is in, in us. And because Jesus is praying and he came to show us God as the Father. And he's, he's asking the Father, he's speaking on behalf of us, for us, saying, God love them like you love me because I am in them. Because Jesus is in us, God has the exact same love for us as he has for Jesus. And because Jesus is in us, we can love God in the same way that Jesus loves him. And this is the, I believe, that one of the ultimate purposes of Jesus' ministry. To bring us into the love relationship that exists between the Father and the Son. 
The Father has the same love for us as he has for Jesus. And we can reciprocate, meaning we can give and take, with the same love for the Father that Jesus has. I'll close with this one. 1 John 4.18. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. As we develop this love relationship with God, it leaves no room for guilt, for insecurity, and for rejection. When rejection takes over our life, we have pushed out the love of God because the love of God casts out all fear. So when we allow rejection to come in, we have, not, we have pushed out the love of God. We need to start filling back up with the love of God. What do we need to fill up with? Facts. The facts. What's the fact that I'm accepted, that I'm clothed in righteousness, that if I come to the altar, Sunday morning as a pastor is one of the most powerful Sunday mornings we could ever have when the whole church repents. What did we do? We followed Jesus' preaching to the core. We followed John the Baptist's preaching to the core. Repent. What did we do? We repented. What happened? The Spirit of God came. What happened? We allowed the love of God to come in and it forced out the lie. The lie could no longer stay. And let me tell you, the lie fought down here for a while. And listen, I'm not the miracle worker. Jesus is the miracle worker. The Holy Spirit's the miracle worker. But two of them fought, and then they finally said, go get the pastor. And I said, okay, we're going to get this thing. I'm not leaving. If i got to drag, I'll drag anybody off. I'll go get anybody. But we're going to get them. What's your problem? I'm not worthy. Hey, you're right. You're not. We're looking at it from the wrong perspective. Satan's got blinders on your eyes. Let me tell you the truth. You've got a past. Him who here has a past? I got a past. Let me tell you about two guys in the Bible. Paul, killing Christians. Are you killing Christians? No. Let's talk about David. Had, has adultery with a married woman. Messes everything up. Decides to go kill the husband. Did you do that? No. Well, that guy was a man after God's own heart. That one. Do you like the way the life's going? No. Do you want to change? Yes. Will you pray something with me? Yes. Now you got to mean it. Can't play games. I'm not playing games. I mean it. Okay. Let's pray. A 14-year-old boy stood up like men. I believe it's probably close to the same age as David going and taking out Goliath. Absolutely as capable of bringing down the walls of hell. Right here. Paul the Apostle Paul was killing Christians. Had the light shined on him. Next thing you know, he's preaching the gospel. The days after. Jesus wants to use you. Wants to get you free. Get free. Quit living under a lie. Depression, rejection, manipulation, domination, intimidation, any other shuns I can say to you. Free.
free. There's no fear in love. Your memories of maybe of your father have been unpleasant. I'm done, I promise. God intended every father to demonstrate what he himself is, but many fathers fail. But you still have a heavenly father who loves you, who understands you, who thinks the best of you and plans the best for you. He will never abandon you, never misunderstand you, and never take sides against you. Never. I believe two weeks ago we really did get free. I'm going to pray again. But if not, next, next week we're going, to, we're going to close. And we're going to walk through some steps of getting completely free. If you're still battling. If you're still battling and you want to be prayed for, I want to pray for you tonight. Guys, I believe the Spirit of God is here. I believe that we are accepting His Word. I believe that we believe in the blood of Jesus. I believe we believe that he still is working miracles. I believe that we believe that God's not dead, he is alive, and that he desires to do through us more than what even Jesus himself did walking on this earth. That's what he said. So why wouldn't God move here? He loves his church. But we've, not, we've got to not be pew warmers. We've got to be like this family that brought those four in. Risked everything. The lost aren't going to get saved if we don't bring them in. There's fields out there ready to be harvested. They're ripe. But there's no harvesters. They're ripe. Go get them. Go get them. Father, in Jesus' name, we just ask you, Lord, that if we're here and we're still battling with rejection, that, Lord, just out of our mouth that we would say, I am accepted by you. I reject the lie of being rejected. And I accept the truth that you have accepted me just like I am. Lord Jesus, I may have had a father that rejected me. But Jesus, as you came into my heart, you're beginning to show me that I have a father in heaven that will never reject me. And Jesus, as I come to your cross and as I ask for forgiveness, I believe that when I, when I get up and walk away from that moment, that the Father clothes me in your righteousness, Jesus. That at that time, I am made right with my Father. Fill us with the love of God. Father, fill us with your love and let all of our fear be cast away. In Jesus' name, we just speak against a spirit of fear that may be in us. I just speak to you, fear, to go. Lord, as I hear those children in there laughing, in Jesus' name, free them of a spirit of fear. Free our youth of a spirit of fear. And Lord, we just ask you right now, fill their hearts 
with your love. The only way we can love you, Father, is because we have Jesus' love. You love us like Jesus, and we can love you like Jesus loves you. Free us, Lord. Free us, Lord. I just ask, I just thank you, Lord, for the salvations, for the lost coming in here, Lord, Sunday. I thank you for a church that would respond to your spirit, that would respond to worship, that would respond to the prophetic word of revival. Lord, I thank you that you are showing, you are showing us that we are hearing and that you're speaking. Now, Lord, we just ask for you to revive our hearts. Let revival start right here in each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord. Bless your holy name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. You guys have a great week. We'll see you Sunday morning.